0: A Magical Miss Entertainment Production. Hosted by Miss Nikki Kirby. Co hosted by Saul Ravencraft, Sponsored by Ever Moving Lee Rise and Moonlight Potions and Charms. Executive Producer. Mickey Kirby. And welcome to another episode of Wish Hat Chats. Come on in and have a seat as we spin our spells. We are sponsored by Evermoving We Rise, Moonlight Potions and Charms, and I am your goddess host, Miss Nikki Kirby, and we are also sponsored by our wizard that is for hire, and I don't know what he's for hire for, but his name is Saul Ravencraft. How are you doing, Saul?
1: Oh, I'm good. I, I do all the things. Uh <laughs> All the
0: things. Now you know we've got another Magic Mike movie coming out.
1: (laughs) I think one of my favorite things about that Magic Mike movie was it was earlier in the days of Facebook. And me and a a few other guys uh, decided we we would play this game. And so we went on Facebook and we talked about how we'd taken the day off. We were gonna go see Magic Mike. We liked magicians. We thought this was gonna be so much fun. And we each we each made little comments about about part of our journey as we're getting there and what we were looking forward to. And we got into the uh, to the theater and the movie's about to start. And we were so excited. And then one of us wrote, "Oh my god!" And <laughs> we didn't say anything else. <laughs> I've actually not seen the film but we created this little uh this little uh bit of theater for people and it was fun and it was funny and um uh I just remember doing that that was a very silly thing sometimes yes, you do I stuff want like
0: to do that Yes we
1: do Last night uh I uh did uh, one of my hosted horror movies. Uh, we watched Night of the Comet from 1984. It's very 80s. Very, very 80s. Uh, but one of the things I like about it is the, the young women in there are not portrayed as defenseless little little ditzes. Uh, they take care of themselves and they, they know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, they, they don't need someone to protect them. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. But the, uh, the place where we do this, Mr. Tramps, uh, they've got a system that controls all of their audio visual and everything and lets them separate out what's going from one place to another. And that thing had blown up like the board fried and they had to replace the system. And not all of it was set up and not all of it was working again. And the contact that I have was kind enough to reach out to me a couple of days in advance and say, We got this thing going on, so I don't know how it's going to affect you. And I got a little bit of information. I didn't really know what to expect, and so I went loaded for bear. I had my own projector, I had my own sound system, I had different ways of setting things up, and ultimately, what I ended up doing was I used their projector, but I had to string a, a wire along the ceiling uh, to be able to hook into my stuff, and I took a pole from uh, my uh, my theatrical lighting setup. And use that as an anchor across the room, so that this this wire would stretch across the ceiling like that, with uh, gaff tape and, and all that good stuff. And um, and we made it work. Uh, it was and... rednecked. Right <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But uh, one, I was kind of proud of myself for being equipped to deal with the situation. And I was also really happy that Hillary out at Mister Tramp's took the time to let me know what was going on so we could be successful. Um, I know other performers, other presenters, that if things weren't set up for them, if anything was wrong, they just have to go, well, we're just gonna cancel. And uh, I'm I'm proud of myself for being skilled and equipped enough to to handle it. And everybody got to see the movie and most of them uh, until I told them, had no idea that anything was really different. And, uh, you yeah, know, it was, I like it. I like it. I like being that person. Uh, not being helpless myself.
0: Good. I'm glad you got to have some fun.
1: I did. I did. And it's a fun movie. I <laughs> have the comment, definitely.
0: All right, so you want to know what our divination is for today? Always. So our tea divination is, life is a verb, and tag, you're it. (laughs) Why is that the truth? (laughs) So one of the questions that we have from one of our viewers is, can you share some tips for beginners who are just starting to explore paganism and magic? So, one of my questions for you, Mr. Saul, is how did you um, gain hold of that book? Uh, what was it? Um, Real Magic
1: by oh
0: Isaac
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a book I recommend to a lot of people, and I think it's a terrific book. Uh, It gets into the fundamentals of magic, how it works, Uh, and it separates itself from from traditions. It's getting into just basic thaumaturgy, um, uh, which is is, uh, building energy and focusing and aiming and firing the energy and following through with it. Um, he doesn't get so much into intention, which is the, the thing I put up front that I think is really important. Uh, but I think he does a really good job of breaking the idea of magic down into a way that someone who has not necessarily walked a magical path can wrap their head around it. And you go, okay, okay, that makes some sense. Maybe I'll give that a shot. Um, now, as to how I got that book, I had no intention of getting that book at all. It was before I was really spending time in uh, the metaphysical section of the bookstore. I was a half-price books. I was looking at the games and uh, and sort of uh, uh, theatrical section of the bookstore, and this book was misfiled, and uh, it caught my attention. And I look, I, I grabbed it and looked at it and went, huh, this looks kind of interesting. So I bought it and I read it. And it went... Um, And one of the things that he does a really good job of is there's a chapter in the book where he does a short little paragraph describing the basic outline of various ceremonies, various situations, Uh, and he does a Druidic circle, and he does a Wiccan circle, and he does a Jewish synagogue service, and he does a Catholic mass, and he does a bunch of them, a bunch of different things. And he shows clearly how the pattern he described is repeated through all of these things. And there were some of them that I related to, some of them I didn't relate to, but that really contributed to the hmm factor. And it it put me in a place where I could be open to the ideas. And then I began to explore them for real, not just as an intellectual exercise, but, huh, what if I really try this? And so it it made a big difference to me. And anyone I find that is, is interested in these kinds of things, but is having a hard time overcoming their intellectual objections. Um, I think this is a great book to uh, to address that. So I recommend it to a lot of people. And I, I very much uh, have absorbed his idea of the pattern of magic. I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. So maybe it was put there for me to find. I think it was. <laughs> I I think it was. Happy accident.
0: It wasn't an accident. There's no such thing as accident. Yeah.
1: That yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: was very different for you, though.
0: Oh, for me, basically, I, turned, I, I just turned my whole back against the Christian God because of the fact that I just got tired of being told by... Men that I was not good enough, that was that was my path. Um, I think for everybody, it is different. Um, because for some people, they just there's but with everybody, we have something that's in common, there's a piece that's missing. There you go. There's a piece that's missing. That's the reason why we're looking for something. We're looking for something to fill that void, whatever that may be. And it's to fill that spirituality because your current spirituality, whatever religion, and it's not religion, it's just spirituality, okay? There's a difference between religion and spirituality religion is something that's organized and it's a one view one way this is the way it has to be and if it's not this way then you're going to go to you know hell or wherever the hell you're going to go to Um, spirituality has no rules it's basically experienced by you that is your spirituality That's the major difference right there. I can go into more details about it later. But when it comes to trying to figure out what you want, number one, figure out what you're missing. Okay. Or figure out not what you're missing, but what you want. A lot of people say I'm broken. Well, that number one, don't look at it that way. Look at what you have. And what you want instead of saying i'm broken say what do i want to be there's a difference because if you're broken that means that means you have to put something back together if you want to be something that means you're taking this little seed and you're adding your sun you're adding your water you're adding your fertilizer you're making it grow instead of trying putting something back together so that's that's pretty much the way you need to kind of look at your spirituality. Your spirituality is a garden. That's what it is. And so as that begins to grow, there's times you're going to have to have the weeds. you're going to have to take the weeds out and you're going to have to pull them and you're gonna to have to go down to the roots and yank it out. But do some research. There's all kinds of books out there now that that didn't used to be around when i was a kid books on everything you need to know about witchcraft and wicca everything you need to know about paganism everything you need to know on buddhism everything you need to know and this and that uh buddhism for dummies um <laughs> uh you know the r- real magic um there's even a book now that uh Lilith Dorsey has a book on voodoo and other African-American spiritualities that I'm still reading because she's got so much information in there on so many different African-American spiritualities. I have to sit here and I have to literally go back and reread each chapter because she has so much information and each one is so different. That it, it takes more than me going through and reading it to actually gain a good understanding of it. Right. Okay. Right. She's got one of those. And I know it's not just her. That's one of the books I've just read. I'm still reading. Not that I just read. I haven't even gotten through it. I've been reading that <laughs> damn thing for six months. I still haven't gotten through it. Okay. Okay. Um, And I'm reading one chapter at a time, and then i go back and read the thing again, as well as with other, I read 10 books at a time, okay, in addition to other books to try to help me understand. So, like I said, you got those, you got, check out your internet sources, make sure that they're decent sources, and these people actually know what the hell they're talking about. Check check out your um, authors. See, how long have they been into the craft or into um, the magical world? Whatever magical world that they in, if you want to do the magical world. And they don't have to be authors, for God's sakes, okay? They don't have to be um, authors that have written 80 freaking books. And they don't have to be published by Llewellyn. And they don't have to be published by, you know, all these other things. They don't have to be those type of people. Because we've got people in this world that are very great mentors that have shops. They don't have to have a shop, okay? But they know what they're talking about. Now, they're telling you that you have to have sex with the high priest and high priestess in order to do this and this and that. That's bullshit, okay? And use some common sense, <laughs> Please use some common sense, okay? If they tell you that you have to buy this ring here, and this ring is going to give you the power over earth and fire and all that, that's bullshit. (laughs) All right, all right. Just, that's bullshit. Sit there and kind of use some common sense. And yes, you will have to spend time with guess who? Yourself. You're going to have to spend time with yourself. Yes. You're going to have to spend time with yourself. And you're going to have to sit here. And have a conversation. With yourself. Before you have a conversation. With whatever deity. You may want to contact. Because you're going to have to know. What it is. That you want to be. And this is not. It may be a simple task, and it may not be. And if it's not, okay, but don't rush it. It's not like it's going to be a pop quiz. It's not a pop quiz. It's not something that you're going to have to, you're not going to have to be a witch for the rest of your life, okay? You're not going to have to be in Wicca for the rest of your life. You can start out in Wicca, and then move up into witchcraft, and, who knows? You may end up being in, uh, in in hoodoo, or you may be in voodoo, or hell, you may go back to something else. Who the hell knows? Spirituality is an individual choice. This is not the choice of your mama, or your daddy, or your brother, or anything else. It's you, and it's as simple as that.
1: I think we, uh, when we begin into this, can also get lost in analysis paralysis. We study and we, we think about it, but we're not necessarily doing the things. Um, wearing a pentagram T-shirt is not working magic. Nope. Hanging witchy things and filling your house with candles is not working magic. And
0: just light um, and just light one is not working magic either you have to do the stuff you have to do not only do you have to do the research but you got to do the follow-through
1: arguing <laughs> about magic is not working magic Mm-mm. uh and you know, i look no... at our, our our divination today life is a verb and and magic is a verb uh you you need to be acting you need to be doing things and when you are active in it on a regular basis then I think you feel it that vibration mm-hmm. is around you and when you're not working magic except you know maybe you you light a candle on uh, on on Sawan and Astara <laughs> and you'll know, the the big ones there uh, um, then then yeah you are you are working magic but you're really not. It's not an active part of your your life. Uh, you're kind of fringy with it. And you'll feel that. You'll feel it when you're not connected because you're not doing things. You're just thinking about things, talking about things, dressing up, right? Um, but when you really make that a regular part of your day and you, you do it actively, then that's what's going to make the difference. Right. And the more you do, the more the more it will surround you and infuse you. And I I think that's the biggest problem for most people is is they're afraid or or they feel a little silly about it or uh, they just they don't put any time for it. Uh, they're worried about not doing it right, you know, and so they don't.
0: Well, here's here's the thing. When you're a Christian and you wore your cross all the time, did you worry about that? Did you worry about when you brought brought your Bible everywhere? Did you worry about that? Or when you wear your Christopher medal, you know, if you're a Catholic or your Saint Anthony medal, did you worry about that? Nope. So why would you worry about, now I understand in in some locations now, I understand like in parts of the South, I do understand that, why you wouldn't wear a pentagram, you would wear it underneath there, or why you wouldn't wear it at all. But you don't have to wear something in order to be magical, because you're magical. I mean, hell, just waking up in the morning is magical your hand it being together is magical you know what okay i'm going to end on this there's a difference between science and magic you know what, you know what that difference is what is that the difference between magic and science is science is explain magic. Magic is everything else. And the reason I wanna say that is because at one time, you take the electricity, they thought that was magic. You take lightning, they thought that was magic. You take the rain that comes out of the clouds, they thought that was magic. They didn't know how grass grew, they thought that was magic rule. Everything that we take for granted now, even the water, when it boiled, in the fire, they thought, oh, that's magic. We understand how that's done now. How that all is created. It's just explained.
1: Right. Well, uh on that note, uh, we're going to get some more explanations of things you gotta know. <laughs> from our sponsors. So watch these messages and we'll be right back with our special guest.
0: Anybody can tell you what is on a tarot or oracle card. What matters is seeing beyond what others may not be able to see and help the client to uncover what lies in the mist. What do readings from Moonlight Potions and Charms do? Wednesday I did this ancestor reading and it was an amazing reading. And it was a detailed reading. And I remember talking to this customer's ancestors and it was so delightful. And he wanted some questions to be answered about the magic in his family because he didn't know. And his family was mostly like most of our families are. You know how everything is like hush hush when it comes to the magic in his family, and he wanted to know who can he actually talk to about the history of the magic in his family, and I was able to give him specifically who he can go to to talk to about that. What particular deity he can actually go to to be able to help him with this, and it was just an amazing reading and and talking to his ancestors. They were such a delight and they told me so much about this customer. It was just an absolutely wonderful, wonderful reading for him. And I was just so happy to be able to give him this wonderful reading. It's really amazing to be able to give people these readings these products that's really going to help them and be able to give back to the community because this is what moonlight postage and charms is about we want to help you to embrace the power of your own magic that is what we are all about is to help you to do that book now and allow our wonderful staff to take care of your spiritual reading needs. And there is so much more in our Wicked Store to help you to embrace the power of your own magic. So come on in to Moonlight Potions and Charms at www.moonlightpotionscharms.com and discover the wicked things that ignite the magical passion in
2: you. I'm so Ravencraft co-host of Witch Hat Chats. I understand just how confusing and chaotic it can be to open to a path of magic and manifestation. Everything seems to turn on on its head. I want to be an ally as you find the way upon your path. My studio setup will let us do readings, coaching, and exploration virtually, just as though you were sitting across the table from me. One size does not fit all, and we will work together to craft the right approaches to build your practice, your confidence, and your power using the tools of divination, magical works, and spirit connections. It's never too late to embrace a new path and emerge empowered. Go to texasmojoman.com and select Contact to begin. There's a message now. Let's get started working on your very good fortune.
0: Have you wondered what spirituality is? Spirituality is limitless as it does not contain any boundaries on beliefs or practices. Spirituality's most important component is personal experience and allows one to explore it freely. Every moving we rise is a spiritual moving tradition, as our name is our lifestyle, because we are persistently rising and moving forward. We realize that everyone's spiritual journey is extremely personal, but more easily traveled with reinforcement. We'll teach you to become friends with your shadow, emerge your authentic self, and give you time and space to develop your own spirituality, and when situations bump back, you'll have the entire community behind you, as we are a magical family who work to sustain each other. Discover the benefits of working within a society dedicated to helping you grow on your personal path. Visit us on our website, Linktree, or Facebook page, and discover why we don't fit in the box.
1: Welcome back to Witch Hat Chats. I am Saul Ravencraft. I am here with Miss Nikki Kirby, but we are not alone.
0: We are not alone. We're never alone. (laughs) All right. So do you want us to introduce our guest host today?
1: You betcha. All
0: right. All right. So a freelance editor, journalist, and writer, this guest host is uh, is living her dream. I wish I could live mine. That would be nice, living my dream. Okay, she's living her dream as an acquisitions consultant with Llewellyn Worldwide LTD a former managing editor of the Wild Hunt. She has published works in Circle Magazine, The Washington Post, Religious News Service, and many more. She has done research for Turner Classic Movies. Now, for those of you who don't know what Turner Classic Movies are, I think you need to look that up for the younger generation, okay? (laughs) And here to talk to us about her revised and update book, Light, Camera, Witchcraft, A Critical History in American Film and Television, we are proud to introduce Heather Green. How are you doing, Heather?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me to chat with you today.
0: <laughs> Not a problem, honey. So you are have written a book about everything of witchcraft in our amazing film history
3: yep and television so here i just hold the hold it up so you can see uh it is uh lights camera witchcraft um and it is a history of how witchcraft and witches are represented in hollywood film and then in television as well
0: now in your opinion has it gotten better or has it gotten worse?
3: Um, well, uh, you know, that's a that's a kind of a complicated question. I think uh, when when you have uh, symbols and narrative tropes and various things that get put into Hollywood, they never really fully go away. So with the bad things that we saw or, or what some people would call bad things continue, we still have the same cartoon characters uh, like um Uh, Witch hazel and stuff floating around. But at the same time, with uh, the coming of the pagan movement and modern witchcraft and the Internet and all these things making these practices more public, um, more palpable to the general populous as it were um they have infiltrated hollywood and television and narrative films so we see better representations more accurate representations um sometimes in pieces sometimes mixed in with some of the problematic stuff but sometimes more um uh more something like modern witches might recognize um and also we've seen a better understanding of the nuances of witchcraft it is not always the same type of person. Um, it's not always an old lady in the woods. It's not always a sexy uh, middle-aged woman who doesn't have a man that's practicing witchcraft. For example, now we have a variety of types of people and a types of magic. So it's getting better, or I should say it's getting diverse um, in representation, which which is nice to see.
1: So I guess uh, it's it's inevitable to ask, what uh, what is the earliest depiction of a witch in a film?
3: Well, um, that I could find, Um, it is the uh, 1908, I believe it's a 1908 film called The Witch. And I'm going to look that up for you really quick because my memory (laughs) might not be there. So let me just make sure I'm, I'm naming that correctly. I believe it was the 1908 film. Now, the problem with name, you know, the accuracy, actually, I was wrong. See that? Um, It was the 1898 uh, silent film called The Cavalier's Dream, and that was an Edison film. And basically, it's a a cavalier uh, uh, that has a dream and there's a witch in it. And these are silent films. They're a few minutes long. Um, Many silent films um, have been lost, whether they were destroyed um, because of the type of medium or if they just aren't cataloged and in somebody's basement somewhere, they didn't start cataloging films until oh. early 1900s. Till 19, you know, 19. I think by 1910 you started to see the cataloging more regularly. Um, so there may be others, but that's the one I could find.
1: Right now, uh, witches. I'm I'm a horror movie buff, so so I usually get those kinds of witches. Uh, uh, although every once in a while uh, they will they will do a, a better portrayal in that, and the uh, the witch involved is helping to deal with some other kind of big bad uh, that's going on. Um, but witches are generally portrayed as as troublemakers, uh, ne'er do wells. Uh, you you do have some. Uh, I know that uh, there was. Uh, was it Bell Book and Candle that was uh, a kind of a nice portrayal, uh, uh, and uh, shows like Bewitched uh, that that sort of sort of walked a line there. They they portrayed them pretty inaccurately, but but somewhat sympathetically. <laughs> uh, what what are some of the uh, the other movies that that come to mind where they st- they. Were more sympathetic, where the the witch wasn't a, a a trouble troublemaker.
3: Um. Well, in the early part of the the silent film, um, and through the early those early couple decades, witches weren't necessarily bad. A lot of those cases, the witches were kind of um what I what I say is amoral. They aren't bad or good. Either they're just magical uh magic for money type. Um, dealers i i do magic i'll do magic for the good guy or the bad guy so you have that sort of place they really don't start to turn and become really sort of the sense of evil in in a regular and repeated format until you get into the later 20s and 30s and you eventually start to see that regular portrayal of the witch is very much the evil character or or An addendum to the evil in some way. Um, Then you have a few like um, I Married a Witch or um, Bell Book and Candle, where you have um, the heroine as a witch. But remember, the witchcraft is still portrayed as not something that is good. So in both cases, they have to give up their magic to live in society. So it's a little bit of a nuanced portrayal. The witches are the heroines, but witchcraft isn't necessarily a positive thing. Um, you have, of course, Samantha, and that's fun. And that was in made during changing times. You have Morticia as well, who is a positive character. Um, and that's really a, not a negative portrayal of her at all. Um, she's She's wonderful. And bewitched as well, so that's a little bit of difference. Of course you have Glinda um who is it's pure fantasy, nothing like modern witchcraft at all, but she is a good witch <laughs> um and she's early on um and so you have a few of them there there's um they appear occasionally in horror in um. In balance to a negative witch you might see something like that where you have that happen where you have the good witch and the bad witch within a horror movie you see that in a few of the later 70s um teen witch movies um where the it winds up in a battle of the witches good against bad um i believe that you have that in well it's it's in the craft um you start to see and you also see it in midnight um offerings, which is what I call a proto-craft movie. It's sort of like the craft, but 1982. Um, So you see a few good witches there. Of course, it isn't until the 90s that you start to see the presence of this concept of witchcraft versus Wicca. So you're going to have that in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you have that in um, the X-Files, where you start to see some witches that are portrayed as good, and then it, it just goes from there.
1: Right. Right. In general, though, it seems like Hollywood doesn't really get magic, doesn't really get witchcraft. Uh, and uh, one of the things that, that popped into my head as you were talking is it, the shifts that happen in the the portrayal of witches in films. Um and and what was going on in society at the time? Surely there's some kind of a metaphor being acted on uh, in these points. So, are there connections you've made between the portrayal of witchcraft in films and particular things that were going on in society?
3: Oh, absolutely. And and you know that's the crux of of my book. That's what you're reading when you read this. It's not just a catalog of um, of where witches appeared and what they look like and stuff. It is actually, I tie it very much into um the politics of the day, the um social trends, gender, gender um politics and gender norms. And that's what it's most linked to is the relationship society has with women specifically. And so I tie that in. What where what is the role women have in society or allowed to have in society at this period of time is very much reflected in the depiction of witches and witchcraft. So you see that as well as things like the emergence of the modern witchcraft movement and paganism and the cultural revolution. Um, And also Hollywood industry changes had a big, uh, were reflected in the portrayal of witches as well. So you have a number of things, war, whether it was war, whether it was um, uh, the satanic panic, another big one. Um, And then of course the emergence of the internet and how that changed. All of these things are reflected in the changing portrayals of of witchcraft. And then our current socio-political conditions are also, and and so you can see trends. And so my book, like I say, uh, you know, I will commonly say it's a story of the American woman. It's a story of the American fictional narrative witch in Hollywood and television. it's also a socio, socio (laughs) it's also a, um, a history of of the U.S., a social history of the U.S. in general, from from nineteen hundred to today.
1: So you mentioned so, that. Oh, go ahead, Nikki. Sorry.
3: So is
0: is the witch a way of of the media trying to control um, women in a way of what the political? Society wants them to be.
3: Um, I I wouldn't say that it's a way of controlling women, but it's a reflection of the trends that were in place. You know how, what, and why. Um, w- women had were maintained in a certain role, why these things and how they happened and why those barriers and boundaries were there is more complicated than to point to say, you know, well, this person is controlling that, or this is, con- it, it's a complex series of, of um. it's, it's a, it's a complex weaving of different pieces of our society that make that happen. And Hollywood's reflective, reflecting that it's reflecting the, the, um, the socio-political um, imprint on our society. So it's not just politics wanting something or media wanting something. It's a combination of a lot of things and, and a legacy. I mean, a le- the the place women had at various places is not something that just was dropped in. It's a legacy dating back way before Hollywood. So, so Hollywood is really just reflecting the trends. For example, in the 20s, women were... Uh, li- liberated due to a number of reasons, okay? Um, including the fact that a lot of um, home uh, technologies were implemented in the 20s. You had things like washing machines, remember, that were giving women more time when they would spend you know, hours washing clothes. Now they had a washing machine, for example, okay? So you had a lot of liberation for women. They were getting jobs. And then we had the Great Depression. Women were needed to go back to the household. They stopped working. And you also had a conservative movement, politically speaking. Uh, you had movements to um, reinvest in the core family, which is very much a, a, a more conservative thing that we then saw in the fifties again. So you see these reflected in the way witches are portrayed, and this is that's a, there's a direct link and a correlation to that piece right there. That's just one example.
0: And, and how about the racism as far as black witches, women of, of color when it comes across to witches? Because the one thing that I don't see that much until just recently, especially just recently, is a lot of witches of color, especially when I go back and I'll watch things, you know, um, movies, television series um, of of olden times Mm -hmm. have you um experienced that and if it is women of colors usually they're not quote witches they're more there there is voodoo
1: voodoo priestesses. yeah yeah,
3: and and that's exactly right and um so basically um that is what you see um there is a, a definite and marked um Racist um, thread, narrative thread. When it comes to Hollywood old films in general, Hollywood in general, and uh, but within witches, that is exactly the case. If there was a magical, a component to a narrative film that involved a person of color, it was largely uh, defined as either uh, voodoo or something from the South Seas, or something from Haiti, or something from Africa. It was always other so so uh black and brown bodies in the magical context were always othered and usually in a negative way okay there was always that context set out um it wasn't until there was a tv show in the 70s uh that did not last it was a spinoff of bewitched it was called tabitha and that is the first instance where you see a um, black woman being portrayed as a witch without any context, without any other in context. Okay? However, um, she was the bad guy. So you still had that component of it. She was the bad guy of the TV show. And it's and the show didn't last. And, and only until recently could you even see the episode. It, so um, I think it's called Black Magic. I think it's what the, the television episode is called. It's a Tabitha is the name of the show. Um, you also had The Wiz, which was around the same time, which, again, these were witches. They were not voodoo priestesses. The musical The Wiz was phenomenally successful. The movie, not so much um so and then again that drops off until a little bit to the late 80s a little bit then the craft you have uh the first big representation where you have a major character um as a witch as a a person of color so and then you see it more and more and that's when i talk about the diversification of the representation of witchcraft in the representation of witchcraft that has been going on. And that's actually, it's only been the last 10 to 15 years that we've really see it explode where we see that magic and witchcraft is not only good, bad, and all the things in between, it's also practiced by more than just middle-aged white women as as seen in like the golden era, Or young upper class white teens as seen in the 90s with LeCraft and and Sabrina and stuff like that. So you see that change happening in the last 10 or 15 years.
1: I've been watching the television show Supernatural, which is, uh, I suspect that the writers did not go very deeply into the lore that they were using. Uh, But that's not necessarily a new thing. It seems a lot of times when witchcraft is portrayed, uh, there's not really anyone who has a clue (laughs) as they're writing and and portraying this this sort of thing. Um, Any reflections on that?
3: Um, I think that's hard to say because... um... There's so much legacy in what witchcraft is and has been. There's so much fiction out there. There's so much beloved fiction. I mean, witches. modern witches love things like The Wizard of Oz. Modern witches love the fictional accounts of fairy tales, even if they're not sensical or they don't make any, they don't reflect anything about modern witchcraft whatsoever. We love the horror films and all these things. So it's hard to say there's a fictional component that is a legacy that dates back way Older than Hollywood, and it's it's embedded way deeper in our culture than um, can be easily rooted out. So they rely on that. Um, and is that okay? You know, I think that's for the individual to decide whether they're offended by those things or not. Um, but I think Hollywood is getting better. You see more frequently occult consultants on set. How much they use and how much they pay attention to them. You know, you don't know. Um, Are they doing their research? They may. If they don't have a consultant, they may. But they don't, how much they follow, they pick and choose because they've got to tell this fictional story that'll work on the screen and sell tickets. So it's really hard to say is, you know, how much they care. So I think it depends on the person, depends on the the studio, depends on the writers, the director, how much they use, same thing. Um, I think there's examples of both and and everything in between um but generally speaking if you notice it over a period of time a trend they are paying attention and trying to em- employ occult consultants and more research more readily and it, it is obvious if you look closely it is obvious whereas you know 1950 not at all it's all it's all hocus pocus let's say right <laughs> 1940s now you have things like Craft Legacy, which had three occult consultants on it, um, doing rituals. You had you have consultants on the the Mayfair Witches, which is out right now, had a consultant. Um, you had consultants in the '90s, all through the 2000s. You even had you know Raymond Buckland was a consultant on a horror film in the '70s. So it's here and there, and it's it's more frequent, which I think is smart. You know, I, I, I why not?
1: Right. I wish we had time to talk to you about Simon King of the Witches for 1973.
3: <laughs> what a great movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: where can our people um, reach you?
3: Well, um, the easiest thing to do is go to my website, heathergreen.net. Um, in .net, there is a .com. Heather Green, she's a whiskey expert. She's not a witchcraft expert. So, um yeah. So go to heathergreen.net and um, you can find all my socials there. I'm most active on Facebook and Twitter. You can find them there. Um, And then you can come uh, follow me there. Uh, You can also see the articles I write because I am a journalist and I write articles. I cover occult and witchy type subjects. Um, So you can find my newest articles there and um, you can also see my... um, My wonderful authors that I post when I work with them, because I am a consultant for Llewellyn. So I have many wonderful authors. Um, You can find all of that on my website or come say hi on social media. And I would love to hear from everybody. All right. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a wonderful chat.
0: All right, so that's all for our show today. So join us next week when Saul and I will be chatting with Dodie Graham McKay. So embrace your power, support your community, and keep your fuzzy babies, your family, friends, and yourself safe. And have an absolute magical week. You have been listening to
1: With Hat
0: Chat. Host, Miss Nikki Kirby. Co-host, Saul Ravencraft. Guest host, Heather Green. Executive producer, Nikki Kirby. Producer, Saul Ravencraft. Video editors, Magical Myth Entertainment, Myth Made Productions. Witch Hat Chats theme song, The Middle Witch, by Serena Janini, Magical Myth Entertainment, Myth Made Productions, sponsored by Evermoving V-Ride, Moonlight Posts and Charms, Texas Mojo Man, copyrighted 2020, through 2022 by Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chats Trademark All Rights Reserved All material of Witch Hat Chats is a trademark of Nikki Kirby and Magical Myths Entertainment. This podcast is for information only and is not an offering of sale of any security of Witch Hat Chats Trademark or its project, or its affiliates. All video, audio, and music are the property of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chat's trademark and may not be disclosed, distributed, or reproduced without the express written permission of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chat's trademark.